0: John chapter ten. If you turn there in your Bibles, yesterday we went to uh, some of you joined us at the conference at Skagit Calvary Chapel, and it was just a wonderful time. Tracy and I were blessed. Um, the The pastors and their wives, we were able to spend Thursday evening with Don and Jean McClure, and then. Friday afternoon, uh, till evening time, we had uh, lunch together, dinner together, and it was just such a rich time. You know, um, we have, you know, Don is kind of one of the fathers of the movement, Calvary Chapel, and I know if, if, if Calvary Chapel's not that big of a thing to you, it really doesn't have to be, you know, but for those of us that have been a part of it, it's kind of our heritage. It's been our, our, our kind of family of, of churches for a long, long time. And, you know, some of the older folks, they're, they're dying out. And we just value their input, their encouragement, their perspective, um, the fact that they've been faithful to the Word of God, you know, from the beginning until now. And we just want to, you know, glean from that. So anyway, it was a great time. Um, AJ was saying that yesterday he was talking with some folks about what Dan's going to say today about the conference and one of them said he's going to say if you didn't come you really missed out and I'm going to prove them wrong I'm not going to say that (laughs) I guess I just did anyway most assuredly verse 1 chapter 10 of John most assuredly I say To you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. You'll note that that's mentioned twice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. And then John tells us in verse 6, Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Father, we pray. As we look at these few verses this morning, we ask that you would teach us i think i pray that every sunday that you would teach us we need to be taught we need to be uh, taught by our good shepherd lord we pray father that we would be men and women who truly love the lord of the word and the and the and the word that declares you lord we we pray father that our minds would be attentive, our hearts would be open, and that we would just uh, glean as much as we possibly can. We ask Holy Spirit that you would speak to us individually and corporately. In Jesus' name, amen. Now guys, um, most of you are probably familiar with John chapter 10, and, and of course, this is um, you know, unique to John's gospel, and John declares uh, or, or he doesn't declare he just simply shows that Jesus declared himself to be the good shepherd and so all of us are familiar with the text but I think if we're not careful we might miss something that I think is important and that important thing is is that the first five verses of our text today Jesus wasn't necessarily teaching anything Jesus was just simply pointing out something that everyone who listened to him would have known. I mean, they were familiar with shepherds. They were familiar with doorkeepers. They were familiar with sheepfolds. They were were familiar with sheep. They were familiar with the fact that shepherds would call their sheep by name, and they had certain calls that their sheep would actually recognize. They knew all of that. They, they, they knew that the, the shepherd uh, would uh, he himself become the door of the sheep pen. He would lay right in front of the opening. I mean, all of these things. As Jesus was speaking these things, um, they knew these things. They knew that if, if someone wasn't coming through the door, through the, you know, the, the, the entrance there, if they're coming up over the wall. They're coming up over the wall only to take something from the sheep pen back over the wall. They're thieves. They're robbers. So all of this is information that they would have known. But, of course, Jesus goes on, as we'll see next week. In verse 7, Jesus said, I am the door of the sheep. And then later on in verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. So obviously, Jesus was going to teach them something pertaining to himself. But in the first five verses, it's important to understand that Jesus wasn't necessarily teaching anything. He was just simply using this as an illustration. In essence, he could say, now I know that you guys all know this. I know that you guys are all familiar with shepherds and sheep and thieves and and all of that. But I want to use this as an illustration to teach you something about myself. Now, you look at this, and and we need help, because you know unless you're a shepherd or a shepherdess, or you've lived in an area where there's shepherds or shepherds, all of this is kind of foreign to us. I think it was a Wednesday night. I'm sure it was a Wednesday night. We don't show films on Sunday mornings. But on a Wednesday night, uh, probably earlier this year, we showed a little. Video of, of a shepherd with his sheep. And, um, and of course, as it was being narrated, you know, uh, the narrator was drawing from John 10 and other portions of scripture, you know, Old Testament, and New Testament, speaking of the Lord being our shepherd and all. And, and I could still vividly see in my mind a part of the video where one of the sheep. And, and it seems so odd, because I remember the first time I went to Israel, and uh, we ended up, we were right by a, a, a place where they were selling sheep and goat. And I'm looking at these creatures, and I'm thinking, which ones are the goats and which one are the sheep? Because, of course, in, here in America, you know, we could tell what a sheep is, and we know what a goat is, and they, look, they don't look the same. But in the Middle East, there's a lot of similarities between the two. They all look ragged. They, they all have, a, you know, the, the wool is just kind of hanging all over. None of them are white. None of them are fully black. They're a mixed color. They look kind of like they have dreadlocks, you know. And uh, they look much different. But I remember in that video, one of the sheep gone astray, the shepherd is calling, And the shepherds would have, and and still to this day, they have certain things that they do with their mouth, a certain call that becomes familiar to the sheep, to their own sheep. They recognize, that's my shepherd. And so they follow that voice. Many times, because sheep aren't very smart, you know, they don't, they just kind of stop dead in their tracks. They're waiting for the shepherd to come and you know use his stuff and kind of get him going uh, her going in the right direction, you know and but uh, this is something that was familiar. Remember that this follows chapter ten follows the interrogation of the formerly blind man and his parents by the religious leaders. It seems to me that Jesus wanted to draw their attention to the contrast between him, the good shepherd, and them, the false shepherds. And, uh, and, and that becomes crystal clear, of course, as we, as we make our way through chapter 10. But what a contrast. The religious leaders, they proved themselves to be unhelpful. In fact, to be cruel. They were cruel to the man, and and surely to his parents. I mean, it's a cruel thing when you threaten to kick them out of the synagogue, which they indeed did to the man who had received his sight. Contrast them with Jesus. Jesus, he's the good shepherd. We saw earlier in John's Gospel, in John chapter 6 and verse 35, and, and these words, I mean, sound like something a shepherd, a good shepherd, would say, and indeed he did say them. The words of Jesus, he who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. Those words of Jesus, I can't help but think of Psalm 23. In essence, that's what Psalm 23 is all about. Feeding, resting, drinking, being protected by the shepherd, by the good shepherd. Well, so you have the shepherd. He has a genuine concern for the sheep, but you also have the thieves and robbers, and I can't help but think of the world that we live in today. We have thieves and robber robbers um, everywhere. We have them in the White House, we have them in the schoolhouse. Uh, you know uh, what a what a dangerous place you know f- for many children to be in public schools today. I mean, you really have to do your research. Who's your child's teacher, and what's going on there, and what's the curriculum, and all of these things, because it's, it's it's like a minefield out there for our children. And you think of how these people, they come to steal, to kill, and to destroy, you know. And even in the church, sadly. Even in the church today, we have thieves and robbers. We have uh, men, and, and today we have women in the pulpit, and they are They're there, uh, and they're using the church almost as a pyramid scheme. This is where we see a lot of this name it and claim it doctrine. You know, um, any pyramid scheme, they're all the same. There's someone on the top. The person on the top of the pyramid is the one who gets all the goodies, you know, all the money and everything else. And so the person on the top of the pyramid is always the example. He or she is always the one to say, look at me. Look how I live. Look at the cars I drive. Look at the homes I own. It works, people. It works. And sadly, the sheep down, you know, in the wider part of the pyramid, they look. And many times, they're not desiring the word of God, the spirit of God, the things that are not temporal because they don't desire the eternal things their greed causes them to say i'll name it and i'll claim it and i'll get it and here's the problem they rarely do they rarely do sheep are kind of dumb sometimes the lord sheep are kind of dumb they don't realize they keep getting richer I keep living where I'm living, <laughs> driving what I'm driving, and, and, and my bank account hasn't changed at all. Because it's not about the riches of this fading, passing world. It's the riches that we <laughs> ship ahead, you know, we send ahead that are eternally kept by the Lord. You know, Jesus told us that there would be many false shepherds, Uh, you know, he refers to them as false teachers or false prophets. But he told us it would be like that, and that's what we see today. We see it everywhere. You know, I could remember, um, as a Christian, I could remember living in communities. I mean, we've lived in this community longer than any other community. But as Christians, we've lived in other communities. We lived in Santa Barbara, and we lived in, you know, San Diego for a time. We lived in uh, Grass Valley, of course, for a, a large... Uh, many years and and I don't remember you know like in our smaller communities we always kind of lived in smaller communities Santa Barbara is not a small community but anyway um, and I could I could remember thinking I don't know anyone that teaches that particular doctrine I don't know of anyone that's truly would fall into the category of a false shepherd um, a, a thief or a robber But I could turn on Christian television, I could say, there's one, there's one, there's one, there's one, there's one, there's one. Because of course, they're using that platform. Um, But today, I think every small community could say, oh, we have that in our community. We have those in our community. We have false shepherds in our town, our village. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. Boy, that ties in perfectly. But inwardly, they are ravenous wolves. In Matthew chapter 24, and verse 4, Jesus says, take heed that no one deceives you. I mean, deception is one of the earmarks of the last days. And yet there are so many people that are deceived so, so easily. I mean, honestly, so easily. And you say, this is really a sad, sad reality that Christian people are so easily deceived. You know why people are so easily deceived? Because we make everything about us. What am I going to get out of it? What, you know, I I don't... You know, I like, when I worship, man, I want to feel it in my bones. What about when the teaching comes? Yeah, I, I don't really care about that. I just want to feel the worship in my bones, you know. I, I hope that the the pastor, I hope he says something for me today. I really need to receive today. And we so often make it about us rather than about him. You know, I like uh, the word you, as an acronym. I was taught this as a young Christian. You. Um, why? Oh, gosh, I just forgot. I Isn't mean, that horrible? It's so hard to get old. You. What is you? No, why? <laughs> why? <laughs> I'm spelling it backwards. Oh, you know what? Forget that illustration, because honestly, it has just got out of my mind. So, some of you could come up afterwards and say, Old man, this is what it is. You messed it up. Anyway, let me get back to my notes. Let's, let's play it safe. Matthew chapter 24. Um, it's joy. Joy. Joy is the acronym. Um, others. Yes. Jesus. Oh, God. <laughs> See, I'm so... Okay. Jesus first, others second, you last. That's what it was. It was joy. Yes. Joy, thank you. My kids are always rescuing me. Thank you. You're, you're going to have to be on your toes as the years go on. You know, and one day, you're going to have to like lead me off, like they do with Biden. You know, anyway. anyway, so Matthew chapter 24, verse 11, uh, Jesus said, then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. You know, the apostle Paul, when he wrote to Timothy, In 2 Timothy 4, 3, he wrote, For the time will come, obviously that time has come, the time will come when they, the they is obviously speaking of those who profess to be believers, will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own itching ears, I'm sorry, but according to their own desires, that's important first, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. Well, obviously, speaking of false teachers, false shepherds. You know, guys, it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy that um, shepherds, so pastors, teachers in the church, that they really lack fear of God, that they don't understand, that they don't remember that one day they will stand before the chief shepherd. They just don't even consider that. It's almost as if they could kind of free-will it, you know, do whatever they want to do, whatever is an advantage to them, and they could justify it by, well, look at all the people that come to our church, you know, and, and that type of thing. And, and that seems to be the, you know, the measuring rod many times for if God is blessing a place or not. It's sad. How do these false teachers and false teachings get into the church they're brought in they're not ordained by God I went through kind of a list of false teachings that many people today they accept at face value because sadly they do not know the shepherd's voice they don't know what he sounds like when he teaches truth I'm not talking about this shepherd. I'm talking about the good shepherd, the chief shepherd. You know, you think of the things, the Jezebel spirit. But well, that's a hot one. Where in the world do we get that? Do you know there's no mention of Jezebel spirit? I mean, that is a that is a fallacy. That is something that's made up. It it, it it's just a weird thing or or um generational curses, you know. I mean, boy, that fits right in with the '80s, you know, You're not to blame. Your daddy did it to you, you know. Uh, it's uh, your daddy sinned, and so now you're sinning. Ezekiel chapter 18, read that. Uh, we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. The only curse that we're under is that universal curse of the fall. But even in Christ, we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. But you see these things, these little phrases, these little teachings that are thrown out there, and people accept them. Oh, well, this is, yeah. But here's, here's something you got, you got to do. you got to say, can I find a scripture? I've made mef- reference to this many times in the past. But, um, you know, uh, it's sad that many of the false teachings come through youth ministries. You know, the holy emergent church. Some of you might say, what in the world is the emergent church? Well, it's kind of come and gone, but that's really not a true statement. It's come and it's emerged, is what's happened. But, but, it, but it comes through the youth churches, the youth kind of focused ministries. And uh, you have these, these false teachings that kind of infiltrate the church, and then they just kind of become mainline and, and people buy into it and they never ask questions. But um, one of these youth-focused ministries, which, you know, has a great reputation and not so good of a reputation, in some cases, a very poor reputation. Youth with a mission. You say, well, that doesn't make sense. They have a good reputation, not so good of a reputation. How could it be both? Well, it really depends on what director is over what training center you're at some of them are solid man they're they're standing upon the word I don't know what it's like now but but it was always a difficult thing you know when we would have young people from our fellowship want to go to youth with the mission and I would ask them what campus are you going to go to I mean the idea is fantastic young people training them to go out and share the gospel how can anyone complain about that how could there be any problem with that but depending upon, there wasn't the, the, the continuity. I, I, boy, I'm going to make people mad today, but I'm going to do it anyway. I, I, this wasn't planned. It just kind of came to me. There should be a continuity. You know, Calvary Chapel, you know, you say, why are you talk about Calvary Chapel, Calvary Chapel? And then the split that Calvary Chapel went through. And what's the big deal, you know? Because we always had a continuity. Someone could come to a Calvary Chapel, like it or not. You know, they don't have to like Calvary chapels. There's a lot of people that don't like Calvary Chapel. But they can come to a Calvary Chapel, and they could say, these are the characteristics of a Calvary Chapel. You're going to teach a book of the Bible, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. Um, your your eschatology, your pre-trib, you believe in a literal thousand-year reign of Christ. You know, you just kind of go down the line. Your, your understanding of... And, and and beliefs and teachings on the Holy Spirit. That, that the Holy Spirit today still gives gifts to men. That the gifts of, of the Holy Spirit have not... The, the vocal gifts, tongues and prophecy, they've not ceased. Because that which is perfect is not the scripture. But that which is perfect, what we believe, is the coming of the Lord. Then they will cease, you know. And so there's certain characters. But then when you have division within the church, now people go to a Calvary and they say, well, okay, so what happens here? What do you believe here? Christ the King. This is where you're going to get mad at me. Christ the King. There's good Christ the King churches. There's not so good Christ the King churches because there's no continuity. The fellow who kind of put together the whole Christ the King, I remember many years ago, because he's from this region, you know, uh, he he wanted to model his church Uh, Christ the King after Calvary Chapel, Vineyard Church. You know, Vineyard came out of Calvary Chapel. And for those of us that had an understanding of Vineyard and all of that, we're thinking, how in the world do you model your church after Calvary Chapel, which is word-centered, and Vineyard, which is not word-centered at all? How do you do that? And, of course, they kind of showed us how they did that. You can go to a Christ the King, and some of them are so solid, pastors teaching the word, praise the Lord, that you're going to a church like that. You can go to another one, and they're not teaching the word. They're not honoring the word. You might go to one Christ the King, and they're Calvinist. You might go to another Christ the King, and they're Arminianist. You might go to, you know, you've got this mixed bag, so what am I going to get? I don't know. All of this is going to tie together in a moment here. Do you know that the Lord always wanted his people, his sheep, to be led and fed by those who come in the legitimate way? See, there's a door. There's a door. Some come in over some other way. Um, the religious leaders in Jesus' day, some of them, you know, they, they came through personal or political Context. Still happens today. You know, there's a danger when a uh, a man inherits a ministry, almost as if it's a business, and they're not really called. I mean, if they're called, praise the Lord. Keep doing what's been done. Don't try to you know, change the design of the wheel, you know, just keep rolling forward, you know, honoring the word of God and everything else. Don't confuse people because your terminology is off, but just simply teach the word of God simply. There are many today that come in politically. You know, I was sharing with the first service, I was talking to someone recently and You know, from time to time, there's different church planting organizations. Uh, Acts uh, 29 was a church planting organization. I don't even know if they exist anymore. It was kind of a Calvinist thing. Uh, You know, a lot of churches were kind of involved in that. But these networks kind of, you know, they come and they go all the time. And uh, a friend of mine was telling me about one of these, and he said uh, that the church planters from this particular organization have to raise something like $250,000 before they could go out and plant a church. And I said, you've got to be kidding. So the church planter now needs to become a fundraiser so that he could go out and plant a church. $250,000, for what? For what? I don't understand it. Because see, if the church planter is planting a church, he has a lot of time on his hand because there is no church. He's planting the church. You don't have, it's not like I'm just, I've been ministering from 8 o'clock till 5 o'clock today. Oh, the people, they just, they're constantly coming. There are no people. <laughs> it doesn't exist. You're planting. No. And, and usually when you plant, unless it's some unusual thing, they don't come in, and I always say they come in as a group and they leave as a group, and that's true in many cases in many churches. But they rarely come in by the hundreds. You know what I mean? They might come in two by two, like the ark, you know? Um, one person comes in, they like it, oh, you should try this, and you know, maybe a few more people, and, and that's just kind of the way church plants go. And I think that It's so absurd. It's like trusting in the arm of the flesh. I want to make sure that I have my money so that I don't have to work a job outside of the house. Well, you're a church planter, man. Where are you going to meet people? You know where I met people? On the construction site. We met people in the bank. We met people in the grocery store. That's how we met people, by being around people. So the church planter that's kind of approaching ministry this way, I think it's so unhealthy. Our budget—we had a budget, a church budget plan. I think it was like thirty bucks, you know. You know, I bought a bar stool and and built a little podium thing that I, I put my Bible on when we started our home Bible study in our rental, not knowing what God might do. And by God's grace, people came, and they continued to come. And then we went to a rental. And, and by God's grace, people continue to come. People would come, and then people would leave. I mean, that's just kind of how it is in a church plant. Oh, we had 30 people last week. Wonderful. We have 10 this week. You know, oh, you know. I mean, that's just how it is. You know why? Because the Lord is training the shepherd. Are you, why are you in this? Why are you doing this? What's motivating you? Peter wrote exhorting shepherds in 1 Peter chapter 5. He said, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly. willingly Listen, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. How does a church planter who's living off of his $250,000. I've never seen two i have never seen $100,000. How, how, does he, how is he an example to the people who get up at 6 o'clock on Monday morning, shower, and, and eat their breakfast, and make their lunch for the day, and go off to the, you know, to the workplace? How, how is he an example to the people? I don't understand that. Because surely that's not the model that Jesus has given us. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. How beautiful. Now again, guys, Jesus, obviously, Jesus is the door. Jesus is a good, good shepherd. Jesus is going to go on. He's going to speak of, of how he is, is so different from the religious leaders of, of that time. But I, wanna, I just kind of want to spend the last few minutes because I want to talk to you about something that um, I, I want it to be applicable to, to each one of you. If, if I was to talk about how to be a shepherd, you know, and, and how to do that, it's only going to be applicable to a very few people. But as, as sheep, so as, as, as the flock of God, you should have expectations. Because here's something that I've learned in in uh, you know 34 years of ministry in one location, and it's this: people come and people go. People like you, people don't like you so much after a while. It's just kind of the nature of things. It shouldn't be that way, but that's how it is. Um, I asked someone at the conference, "I said, do you have anyone?" At your church, that was there when you first started the church, and uh, they said they're thinking about it. And I said, Yeah, yeah, we have one couple. They were there on the very first Sunday, and and we don't have someone that was here at the very on the very first Sunday, other than our children, you know. And, but I think of probably as far as longevity that have been with us the longest. I think um, Steve and Denise Lewis would probably be. Uh, on that they came when we were in Trader's Village, renting a facility there, and then the Blosses came shortly after that, and a handful of people, but people have come and and they've gone. But there's a good chance if the Lord tarries, um, you know, you probably won't be at Calvary Chapel in the future, Calvary Chapel Oak Harbor. I have a tendency of I don't do it on purpose. I don't stay up at night thinking, "Okay, how can I really offend people today?" Lord, please give me. <laughs> but but I know that I do offend people, and and sometimes you know I am ashamed in in what I say and what I do, and and the Lord really you know convicts me on that. But there's other times I'm kind of surprised by how I'm offending people, and I I think, "Wow, Lord, Lord, your church is is, is becoming." you know so you know unstable when it comes to biblical things that now when we speak just simply about biblical things it becomes a stumbling block to people but you go to another church what should you what should you expect from the shepherd not not the good shepherd, but the the shepherd the because you know that that word shepherd it's used for pastors. In Israel, it was used for a king shepherd. Uh, it was used for religious leaders shepherd. Um, so it, again, it's a, it's a theme. It's a word. It's a picture of of something that is is commonly understood throughout the Bible. I mean, you could just go. Right through the Bible, and we see references to shepherds. But what should you what should you be looking for? And I think number one, a man who has gone through the proper entrance. He's not coming over the wall. He's gone through the proper entrance. You say, well, what does that mean? He has to be a person who's truly been called by God. And I think that. Um, you know guys, depending upon your church background, So it, it varies. Some of you um, may have attended denominational churches, so Baptist church, maybe a Christian reform, first reform um, church, something like that. Pastors, many times well, first of all, they're hired. Um, they're hired by the board. And so, um, and, and usually they're chosen by their last church. So it's kind of like, well, what did they do? You know, um, you know boy, if I was kind of selected on that, it would be like, what, what year? <laughs> what, you know? oh, oh, this year, he probably should go down to that. 15-member church. I think that would be good for him, you know. And maybe other times, oh, maybe he could handle up, you know. But, but they're, they're called and they're there. They're not called necessarily by the Lord to that location. They're called by a board to that location. So there they are. But most of them, most of the time, are probably going to use that church as a springboard to something bigger. So I pastored this church. This church went from 100 to 350. I'm ready for a change. And so you go to your denominational board. Boy, you've done great. How long did it take you? Oh, five years. Wonderful. And so now you're kind of, you know, there's churches that are going to say, we want a guy like that. Because in essence, we want the guy to do what he did there we wanted him to do it here. So do you see that the focus is on the wrong shepherd? The focus is on the man in the pulpit, so he's going to draw the people and keep the people. And sadly, 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 I'm embarrassed to say it. I hate to say it. But many church boards, sadly, not ours, but sadly, many church boards are concerned with buts and than they are with the souls of people you know and so that pastor will leave and so you look you know um and and you you have you know this church well how many church how many pastors have been at this church well we got you know this list of pastors have been at this church and you just say gosh that's he should be a man who's called he didn't always have to be a church planter within Calvary Chapel. You know, most of the guys that plant churches stay at the churches that they plant, uh, regardless if it grows or not. Uh, at the conference, you know, um, we were at uh, Pastor Brian's building, so the you know Calvert Chapel Skagit, and and um, I, you know, this might be taken in a a, a weird way. Uh, but I was, I, was, I was proud of Brian. You know, Brian and Lisa came out of this fellowship. Uh, Brian, I remember he turned to me at a pastor's conference. We were at a pastor's conference, and I was standing next to him, and he turned to me, and he said, Pastor Dan, I think I'd like to pioneer a church. And I said, let's talk, you know. Because that, that always, you know, and, I, and it's not because he just asked, but he had been in ministry. You know, he had been doing YD uh, here for a long, long time. And, and, and uh, he had been involved here at this church. This was the church that they chose to come to. And he was involved in ministry. And I thought, man, let's talk. Let's talk about this. And that guy, you know, they set out. And uh, we helped them. So we're a little church, so we couldn't help them out with, uh, really, finances. I think we might have helped with a little bit. And, um, but we helped them with people. So we would, we would go over. They had a Sunday night service, and they rented the train station, a room in the train station. It was so funny because that train, you know, is running all the time. So, you know, you'd be worshiping, and then the train comes, and you just stop. Or he'd be teaching, and the train came. You know, and just stop. Because it's too loud. You couldn't hear in the little room, you know. And they went from there to another location, to another location, to another location. I mean, they were all over the place. They were down by the river in a van. No, they weren't in a van. But they were down by the river. And and all of these things. And... uh, and they're in this building now. It was an old Methodist building, just a fabulous place. I mean, wonderful. And they've really done a lot with it. And I remember he called me and he said, Dan, would you, um, would you meet me out here on Avon, Avon Road? You know, I want to show you something. And we looked around. And he said, oh, we could never afford this. And I said, just call him. Just call him. He reminded me of this story because I'm an old man, I don't remember these things. And, and he was telling the, the pastors about this on Friday night. And he said, We had $3,000 in our church account. He said, They went to the Methodist church and they said, You know, this building's been vacant. We'd like to buy the building. And they said, Oh, we'd love to have you buy the building, it's a million five. And they said well we don't have that <laughs> you know when you you're a church planner of a small church you're always embarrassed about you never talk about money because you don't have any you know and uh, anyway long story but one thing led to the next they offered five something and the Lord just blessed and 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 I I went up to him yesterday after the conference and I I just gave him a hug, and I said, boy, Brian, this was a big deal for you guys, this conference and everything. But and I said, thank you. I was just so proud of him because that's what you want to see. You want to see guys flourish in ministry. He's a man who's called. How do I know he's called? Because he he pastored that church without receiving a dime from that church for a long time. That's a church planter. That's a man who's called by the Lord. I'm called to this. I don't know. I'm just going to do it. That's what you got to do. That's what you want. Someone who's called to the task. You want to see a man, you want a you pastor who uh, sees the Holy Spirit open his way as a doorkeeper would open his way to God's sheep. You know, they're not my sheep. They're not my people. It's not my church. It's the Lord. I'm just a steward of the Lord's, you know. And... Um, and it's the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit doesn't give you a voice among people, then you're really not called. You know. I mean, I look out. I mean, it looks pretty lean here on Sunday morning, second service, you know. And uh, the church attended. It goes up and down. And I'll be honest. I've been doing this so long. Um, there's many times I'll ask the Lord, Lord, will there be one Sunday where just everyone's gone? You know, I've, I've crossed the line. I've said something that I, you know, that was it, you know. We're all leaving, you know. I hope it never comes. But I know that I'm called to this church. Receiving a paycheck or not. It sounds so self-serving and I don't want it to, but... but This church, we've always had a policy at this church. I've always had a policy at this church that the necessities of the church come first. My wife has understood this. She's accepted that. My wife, I'll tell you, any church planter, look at the wife because that's the prayer warrior. That's the faithful one. That's the one who, who you know, when the pastor comes over, goes, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Oh, you're okay, honey. Don't worry, you know. Wake up. It's time to go to church. You got to go there. You know, people are waiting for you. They're the heroes, you know, that are really the backbone behind a lot of these things. But you know what? That was always true. And the church, you know, we we pastored this church, and there were times when we'd have, you know, $500 in the bank account, and and then maybe it, would grow and and we never had I don't think we ever had more than like $25,000 in the in that account pastoring this church all these years it's funny I was talking to one of my friends he was a pastor in our church and he was asking me how are you guys doing financially and I said oh you know the Lord provides you know he goes no no I, how, how, what do you have and I told him and he said oh gosh oh yeah he was shocked he said, so you guys are just like right on the edge. I mean, this whole church could just collapse tomorrow. And I said, well, you know, um, the, Lord <laughs> the Lord has sustained the church for all these years, you know. And I thought it was ironic because he had this like bundle of dough in the bank. He didn't, but the church did. And they closed the church like a-, a year after that. I said, well, obviously it's not about money, is it? You want a pastor who sees the sheep Respond to his voice, listen, because he's speaking his voice, the good shepherd's voice. You're not bringing in some new doctrine. You're not doing some mind benders for me. You're simply teaching the word of God. I can trust you. I can trust you, pastor, because I know you're not going to poison me with some foul food, you know. You're going to simply teach me the word of God. That's what you want acquainted with the flock. I wish I was more acquainted with the flock than I am. You know who I'm really acquainted with in the church are those who are engaged in ministry, those who come out to men's, those who come out to Wednesday. You know I mean it's just those that I'm around the most and usually those are ministry people are the ones that I probably know more about and, and they know more about me and I think that's just how it works, but also he leads the flock and does not drive them or lord over them. I know that as for me, I teach the word and I am, I am bold in the teaching of the word of God, but I think that most of you would 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 say that when I'm not teaching the word of God, it's not like I walk around, you know, you know, oh, I got an opinion about this, and I got an opinion about that. But but I'm just I just honor the word of God. I truly believe that the only authority I have is the word of God. If I just kind of got up here and just, I'm gonna wing it, you know, man, I would expect you guys to leave. I really would. But if I'm teaching the word of God and you're his sheep. And you hear his voice, and you say, Lord, I just want to be in a place where I'm being fed, where I could grow, where I could serve. Last thing, you guys can come up, please. He goes before the sheep as an example. It's a sad thing that many of the churches that are successfully numerically today, the pastors are so out of touch You know, with the majority of their church. Churches that are pastoring large churches. They're living in homes that most of us would never, never gain entry in, you know. They're driving cars, they've got a wardrobe, they, you know, you just say, how can I relate to this guy? And, and because of this whole pyramid scheme idea, people that aren't well trained in the word of God, they think that's God's blessing on his life. And he should have the best because he's the shepherd. And you say, where do you get that? Because you don't get it from the word of God. Our shepherd, when he was here on the earth, had no one to lay his head at night. Our shepherd, I don't think he had a wardrobe. (laughs) He was meek and mild. And I'll tell you, if, you know, every man, every human shepherd has their many, many, many faults. And I'll tell you what my biggest, I think one of my biggest faults has been since I've pastored this church is that I don't like to ask people to do things. Now, I get on you, come to the conference, ladies. Come to the conference, you know, folks. This is going to be great, you're going to benefit. But it's not something that, you know, it's like for me, it's really a benefit for you. But I don't, I don't ask people to do it. And I want to tell you why. You know, we, we, we don't talk about money here. We just don't. The Lord's always provided for us. We're so grateful to him. I mean, when I come to the end of my life, I'm really going to be able to say, that was the church that God built and sustained and kept together, you know. It was his his church, and that's how he decided to do it. But I don't like to ask you guys to do things because I look at things this way. You guys have busy lives. If you're married... You have responsibilities there. If you if you have children, you have responsibilities with your children. It's it's hard to do that. I I you know Nehemiah was on me a few weeks ago because I said you know I was thinking of having a work day and we'll knock out some of these things at the church that need to get done. And he goes, yeah, Dad, that would be great. That'd be great. And then the next time he came back, all those things were done. And he said, I thought you were gonna have a church work party. And I said, I don't want to ask the people. They work all week long. They don't want to come out here on Saturday. They don't want to do this, you know. And maybe you do, but I, but I'm just that's just how I think. I just think I want to be an example. I want to be I want to be a man and I've and I've I've learned this work ethic, and this is a part of our heritage with, within Calvary Chapel, though it's not held by everyone in the pulpit of Calvary Chapels. But I have a job. I don't come rolling in, you know. I don't, I don't sit at home because you know, I don't have to go in, you know. Uh, tomorrow morning, well, tomorrow, Tracy and I are going away for a few days. But, but if it was a normal Monday, I would be here in the morning because this is my job. I have responsibilities. There are things I do on Monday, then there are things I do on Tuesday. Then there are things I do. And then Friday is my day off. And, and yet, um, you might drive by and find me here on a Friday if something comes up, or if someone needed counseling, or anything like that. Do you see what I'm saying? You, you, want to be, you want to be people who are grounded in the word of God. You don't put a man or anyone else on a pedestal. Christ is the one we honor. He is the good shepherd, the chief shepherd. But we should have expectations as God's sheep. And we shouldn't be drawn to men simply because they ring our bell, you know. Oh, I like, boy, he's a powerful speaker, or oh, charismatic, oh, so loving, or whatever, you know. You want, you want, you want a man that's easily forgotten, but his Lord is never forgotten. Amen. Let's stand.